Thanks for joining us. You're listening to a sermon from Doxa Church in Bellevue, Washington. This sermon is part of our Way of the Kingdom series, an exploration of Jesus' continued teaching in the Sermon on the Mount. In this series, Jesus focuses on mankind's relationship with God in the everyday stuff of life. To find out more, please visit us at www.doxa-church.com or join us on Sunday mornings in downtown Bellevue at 9 and 11 a.m. Matthew 7, 1 through 6. Judge not that you be not judged. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you see the speck in your brother's eye when you do not notice the log that is in your own eye? And how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there is the log in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye. Then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Do not give dogs what is holy, and do not throw your pearls before pigs, unless they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. Well, welcome. Glad you guys are here. My name, like Donald said, is Nate Jelovich. I'm one of the non-staff, unpaid, lay, whatever you want to call us, uh, intern elders here at the church. Um, I'm actually not an intern, but uh, glad that you're here with us today. Um, I'm going to quickly give a quick introduction of myself and my family, but I, I lead a couple of different ministries here, or help out with at least, uh, one of which is journey groups. So it's, uh, if you're familiar with the journey groups, it's small kind of uh, small groups where we work together and, and really unpack the gospel in everyday life, what it looks like, what it means. Uh, also help out with uh, missional communities, leading and coaching. Um, I recently moved actually from the Snoqualmie region um, and now going to be heading to the Kirkland area, so which was the east kind of east region I was helping with, now be moving to the kind of Kirkland, Total Lake area. So if you're around that, come say hi. We'd love to meet you. Um, but quickly, let me introduce my family as well. So um, I'm married to my lovely wife, Hannah. We've been married for about 10 years. Um, she's, she's very beautiful. We actually met in junior high, though. Um, started dating end of high school. Uh, we first, she, she tells a story, it's really embarrassing, but she likes to tell it because it's embarrassing. Uh, we held hands for the first time on our 16th, her 16th birthday um, under a pillow at her friend's house, which is really inconspicuous. Like nobody knows that's happening. Um, but now just because it's habit and it's the only way we can do it, we actually have to carry a pillow everywhere we go um, if we want to hold hands. So, uh, and this is our little guy, Daniel. Uh, he is going to be four at the end of January. He's all into PJ masks and superheroes and uh, loves Iron Man and Captain America. So uh, love him very much. Uh, he was actually one of the first kids born here at Doxa. Uh, so we've been here since the very beginning. We love this church. We love serving you guys. It's a blessing to us. Um, and just thankful for this opportunity. So let me, uh, let me get into the text. Uh, if you're new or visiting with us, uh, you might not realize, but we've actually spent the better part of a year going through the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, first, we looked at the Beatitudes and how to have a flourishing life. Then we looked at kind of the way of Jesus, one of the more practical ways like giving and don't lust and uh, fast, you know, how to manage anger and things like that. And then we looked at the Lord's Prayer. Uh, looking at not just you know, how to pray to God, but how God changes our hearts through prayer. Uh, not, you know, not just about us asking for things, though he loves to give us good things, but also how he's constantly working and changing our hearts. Uh, and now we're in our final series that we're calling the, the Way of the Kingdom. 
Uh, and this is really kind of uncovering the truths of all of these realities that we've walked through in this past year and how God through Jesus has ushered in this new kingdom. And in some ways, which we'll talk about a little bit, it's really an upside down or, or backwards kingdom. Something we talk about a lot as Christians, but what you, know, you normally think of as you know, ruling, reigning, authority, kingdom is very different in the Christian faith. And we hope to kind of show you that today. But before we get into the passage again, I just want to make this super clear. The big idea, when we judge others unfairly, we rob God of his power and authority and we take it for ourselves. I'll, read that, I'll say that again. When we judge others unfairly, we rob God of his power and authority and take it for ourselves. Let me read the passage again. Matthew 7, 1 through 6. Judge not that you be not judged. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there's a log in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Do not give dogs what is holy, and do not throw your pearls before pigs, lest they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. You see, Jesus is revealing to us his new type of kingdom, where he cares far more about fixing our hearts than he does about us fixing others. Because in reality, he has that too. But you see, I love this passage. I love it because it's super familiar and it's relatively easy. I mean, it's one that we've probably all heard, really familiar with. It's you know, relatively easy to get, grasp the concept, uh, a simple, clear metaphor. Uh, but it wasn't just, it's not just about us that is familiar. Think about it. Jesus' dad was a carpenter. Right? Joseph was a carpenter. He was around logs and wood and sawdust and specks of dust and all of these types of things all the time. This was something that was just a normal way of life for him. I mean, it would be like any of you going to your job and using that as like a, a metaphor to train and teach others. And I love this. It's also uh, an interesting passage because it's kind of a comical hyperbole. Right? He's saying, you have this speck in your eye, but these other people have logs, or they have specks, you have logs. Like, nobody walks around with logs in their eye. Like, it's just not even possible. It's, an, it's an impossible. But he's, he's saying it right, as almost a joke. Like, he was almost a comedian of his time. It's meant to be humorous, to catch your point, to catch your vision. But more than that, we've all heard the phrase, you can't judge me, or only God can judge me. These are all common things, and I love this passage for those reasons. But also I love it because it's super straightforward and I get the privilege to preach it. I could actually just you know, have like a two-minute sermon and say, hey, it says don't judge, don't do that. All right, good job, like go home now, you're all good. But I wanna preach through a couple different things, uh, and three in particular. First is some of the misconceptions of judging, so we'll look at those. We'll look at then what judging reveals about our own hearts. And then we'll look at how Jesus actually judges. But before we do that, let me pray. Father, I pray that you will open our hearts to hear your word. That you will help us and show us the ways that we judge others. 
God, give us the humility, the grace, and the wisdom to know when and how and who and what judging and when to judge what it looks like. And Father, I pray that you will help us to see your son Jesus more clearly, that he will be the hero, that he will be more important, more valuable uh, than, than he is now in our hearts. And will you grow that through us by the power of the Holy Spirit? I pray this all in your son Jesus' name, amen. So we all judge all the time. The question is not whether you judge or not, but who you judge and why. I'm an English lit major. Um, I don't do this, like Donald said, as a a living. Um, I actually work in an e-commerce company in Seattle, Um, not Amazon. My wife actually works at Amazon. I work at a small one called Zulily um, in marketing and advertising. But I was an English lit major, so I love definitions and words, and so I looked it up. But the judge means to form an opinion or conclusion about something, or to give a verdict or decide a result. I don't know about you, but I've done this probably a thousand times just in the past hour, right? We're constantly looking at things, judging them, wondering what we should do. This is true whether what the clothes you wear, the direction you drive, uh, the way that you got here, who you came with, who you didn't come with, uh, who you don't want to see here, who you do want to see here. All of these things are judgments every single day, every single minute. I don't think it's an overstatement to say that this theme of judgment and judging others is one of the most prominent themes in the Bible. Look through most of Jesus' parables, uh, you know, you'll see this theme, whether it's the woman at the well, the woman caught in adultery, the rich ruler, any of these types of things are all about judgment. It's the New Testament, it's the Old Testament. There's even a book of the Bible with its name, right? It's important. It's not a trivial matter to God. But before we get much further, I do want to make sure we're all on the same page. Not just about, you know, what this passage is saying, but also what it's not saying. Because there's a lot of misconceptions about judging. So what is not saying? This is not showing us how God judges us, right? It's about human interactions. Look through the passage again. There's no mention of God and this is how he judges us. And if you do this, God's going to be very mad at you. There's no mention of that. God's actually almost absent, of it, absent from it, other than he's the one telling us. It. This is about human interactions. And in that way, Jesus is actually showing us how humanity ought to live. You see, God doesn't play tit for tat. He doesn't say, you do this, I will do that. He's showing us how to live. Second, it's not saying we should never cast judgment. Look at verse six. We'll get to there in a little bit. Uh, but it, it's also elsewhere in the Bible such as 1 Corinthians 5.12, where Paul specifically tells people to judge those in the church. That's why I'm here, to judge you. You're welcome. Third, this passage is not about how, it's not saying how God doesn't judge. He does, and he will. God does judge, and he will. Look at all of Revelations, right? And fourth, this is not about karma. No mention of that. It's not about what you pay for, is what you're gonna get. This is about human nature, like reaping what you sow. What this passage is saying comes down to three things. Loving others through grace, humility, and wisdom. I'll say that again. Loving others through grace, humility, and wisdom. Let me show you. Grace. 
by the same measure you judge others, they will judge you. Look at verses one and two. Judge not that you be not judged. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Grace says, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. We all want grace when others judge us, but often don't extend that same grace to them. We don't like being judged, right? But often have little problem judging others. And I will say, it might be the case that those often feeling judged by others, and anybody else in that room feel judged by others, often is because you are the one judging. I mean, look at, he says it like this. He says, for with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged, and with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Something to think about. Second one, humility. We ought to focus less on other shortcomings and more on our own. Verses three through five. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there is the log in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Simple. Humility says that we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, right? Romans 3.23. But there's a key phrase here that I find really fascinating. It's that last part. Then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. You see, this isn't just about judging or not judging. God actually wants something more for us here. He wants us to help other people. He wants us to help others. You can't do that unless you can see clearly and to actually help them. Recognizing, dealing with, sharing, living in the light, sharing your shortcomings, all of these gives us the humility we need to help others. The power to help others starts with your own repentance and self-awareness. And I love that we're doing this Enneagram training. I recommend and encourage all of you to to go through it. Um, It's super helpful, not because there's power in this training, but there's power in God who reveals himself in our hearts. He's made us in unique ways with giftings. We we talk about APEST as well. It's another super helpful uh, tool like this, but it will show, kind of reveal, how has God made you? What are the ways that you might not realize you know, different areas of your life. Talks about sort of these things that we call resourceful size and non-resourceful, which uh, I encourage you to take. But, you know, those ways that you might have blind spots and so sort of those non-resourceful sides. But you see, when we judge others, it's really showing that we're not self-aware. The last one, wisdom. We're called to discern. All of this is great, but we still need discernment. Look at verse six. <clears throat> This crazy verse that when I first read it, I don't know how I'm going to preach through this. It's talking about pigs and dogs and pearls and necklaces and whatever. It says, do not give dogs what is holy and do not throw your pearls before pigs, lest they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. You see, wisdom looks like having the spirit of truth who will guide you into all truth. I'm not going to try and, you know, Dan Brown this verse, um, if you've read the Da Vinci Code, uh, and find symbolism, you know, between pearls and pigs and things like that. But simply, we need discernment to judge wisely and not unfairly. Think about it. Like Justin and Jeff, um, 
you know, as I was preparing this message, they were helping me, uh, you know, make sure it was, uh, you know, delivered correctly and all of these types of things. Uh, but they were judging. That's a form of judgment, right? They were saying, oh, you know, change these things or maybe do like this because they wanted to be helpful. Those are all good things. It's not always bad to judge. But think about it. If you're not going to leave your kids or your home or your car to someone you don't trust, that's a form of discernment or judgment we need. Martin Lloyd-Jones, the minister of the Westminster Chapel in London, says it like this. If our Lord had finished his teaching with those first five verses, it would undoubtedly have led to a false position. Men and women would be so careful to avoid the terrible danger of judging in that wrong sense that they would exercise no discrimination, no judgment whatsoever. There would be no such thing as discipline in the church and the whole of the Christian life would be chaotic. There would be no such thing as exposing heresy and pronouncing judgment with regard to it because everybody would be so afraid of judging the heretic, they would turn a blind eye to the heresy and error would come into the church more than it has done. So many people show a lack of discrimination and are ready to praise and recommend anything that is put before them which vaguely claims the name Christian. We need divine wisdom and discernment to judge appropriately. God is the ultimate judge who provides that wisdom. But you see, when we judge others, we effectively trade places with God. Let me say it again. When we judge others, we effectively trade places with God. The truth is we are far less superior and far more biased judges than he is. And this is terrible for a few reasons. One, it breaks the mago day, forcing others into a false image of how God has made us. It's saying that God is not capable of doing his job. He needs our help. It doesn't properly reflect who God is and how he actually loves us. It also breaks community. Causes people to hide, run away, avoid. And selfishly, you know, the same measure you use will be measured to you. So if nothing else, you should just think selfishly. We all show partiality, favoritism, and preference towards certain things whether it's our kids or family, our country or political party, our race or ethnicity, our church or denomination, our sports teams or school, even our preferred sins. You know, the ones that you struggle with, that's really easy to understand how other people struggle with, but the ones you don't struggle with is really easy to judge others. See, those biases often inform our judgments We judge others based on our biases, preferences, and familiarities. And this is true whether you're a Christian or not. You don't have to have a right relationship with God to judge others. You see it all over the world. Proverbs 18, 17 says, the one who states his case first seems right until the other comes and examines him. I remember one time when I was in high school, this story stuck out to me. I was thinking about this first. Uh, my buddy and I were at the beach hanging out, like all high school kids do, uh, at Ojeni Park. So if you've ever been there, it's a big grass area, and there's kind of a parking lot in the back. And we're hanging out, and then all of a sudden we noticed, you know, looked up, and there's uh, about five or six police officers kind of walking towards the water where we were. We can figure out, you know, like looking around, did something happen? Is everybody okay? And then we, as we looked, like, we could see they're actually looking directly at us, all six of them walking, very like, authoritative. You know, if you've ever seen our, our security out here, super helpful, blessed by them, but not the most, you know, very intimidating, I'll say that. Um, 
So they're all looking directly at us. I'm like, what is, what's going on? And come to, you know, they come over to us. Hey, you two, come over here. We, need, we have some questions. And we're shocked. I mean, we're just hanging out. And come to find out somebody had reported somebody having a gun at the beach. Uh, we had no guns. We might have had a cell phone. I'm not, I never knew what exactly happened. Uh, you know, was it, is it because we're teenagers? Is it because my friend was Japanese? Like, w- what's happening here? But we all have those stories, or similar like it, where we've been judged by others. What, what judging reveals about our hearts is far more wicked. You see, in our social media age where everyone's life is always on display, ready, waiting for comments and reactions, our ability to judge others has only grown exponentially. We judge others and we're judged by others. And we do this at the the micro, sort of individual level, but also at the macro, the corporate level. There's a never-ending list of names that have been in the news more recently, um, even just within, you know, the sort of horrific past 72 hours, if you've been watching the news. Um, but, but just a few names I've pulled from the news in the past couple of weeks or months just to see how they make you feel. You know, you're not going to judge any of them, are you? Um, the first one is James Gunn. You might not know who this is, um, but he was the director of the Guardians of the Galaxy movie, which is great. Uh, but he was actually fired because of nasty pedophile jokes he made on Twitter over 10 years ago. What, what about these ones? Uh, Brett Kavanaugh. Christine Blase Ford, Kanye West. How do they make you feel? Good, frustrated, angry, all forms of judgment. But let's make this a little bit more practical, more personal. You see, we judge all kinds, all the time. I came up with a list, it's kind of short, 15 or 16 people, things. We judge our coworkers or other jobs. We judge our spouses, amen? We judge other parents, how they raise their kids, don't raise their kids, what shows they can watch, can't watch. My son, like I said, is four years old. I'm realizing more and more how easy or difficult it is to hang out with parents who raise their kids differently than us because they don't live up to our standards, my standards. We judge our kids, amen? We judge our parents, no matter how old they are or young you are. We judge classmates, sports they play, what they do, who they hang out with. We judge other marriages, how they interact, how they spend their time together, what they do, don't do. We judge how people spend their money. We judge people's socioeconomic status, whether it's high or low. We judge people's political parties, what they like on social media, what they tweet, Instagram, we judge churches and church networks. They're not like us, if they're part of something else. They're not in this cool group, they're in this other group. We judge people's appearance. We judge people's weight. We judge people's skin color and ethnicity. People's age, young or old. We judge people's sin. And some of you, Even judge God. You stand in authority over him, saying what he can and can't say, what he can and can't do. Who has the authority to do that? And you might think, I I don't judge. I'm a pretty good person. You know, it's not that big a deal. Um, But think about it. 
Judging others is one of those subtly destructive sins. It's that silent shake of the head of disapproval, the sigh of impatience, the audible tsk of the tongue in disappointment, the narrow eyes of speculation, the rolled eyes, which is my favorite, a furrowed brow of condemnation, or the good old-fashioned gasp of sheer disbelief in someone else. It doesn't look bad at first and often easy to dismiss or excuse, usually because we keep it all within our own head. We don't walk around saying, oh, it was great, I judged this person, it was the best thing I've ever done. No, we think about it just within our own heads. Or we're very clever and make excuses like, well, God wants me to judge them or they're not living the right way. God doesn't approve either. But the reality is when we judge others, it reveals something much darker, something much more sinister in our heart. See, it reveals our pride. We judge others because we are insecure, or proud, or impatient, spiteful, arrogant, and foolish. When we judge others, we are making something else a standard or a bar that others must live up to. Usually, and this is where the passage leads us to, we are that standard. We are that bar. It's like that joke by George Carlin. I don't know if you have ever heard of this comedian, but he has this bit where he talks about being in the car driving. And he says, everyone you know, who's going slower than you is an idiot, and everyone going faster than you is a maniac. Can't win. See, you're that bar. You're that standard. No one measures up to your level, even your perceived or hoped for level. Uh, I, like I mentioned, I, live in, I used to live in Snoqualmie and uh, commute into Seattle, and I would drive on I-90, uh, and we'd pass the Pyramid uh, brewing, you know, alehouse. It's down by the stadiums there, by, uh, you know, right off of I-90. And they had this big advertisement uh, for like this Hefeweizen, which is terrible beer, and I don't even like Pyramid. Uh, but it says, the standard by which all other wheat beers are judged by, right? Like, that's the standard of wheat beers, is what they've created. And now everything else must live to its level. That's what we do. We are the standard that others are judged by. But you see, judging others reveals your pride. James 4, 6 says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And in that way, like we mentioned before, judging others breaks Imago Dei. In Genesis 1, we read, Then God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness. We are made in the image of God, in his likeness. Judging others forces them into your image, not God's. You are their standard, not God. It's no longer God they should reflect, mirror, imitate. Now it's your ideal vision and version of humanity. The reality is God is the ultimate judge. It's God's image that we are meant to reflect. When we judge others, we are putting ourselves in his place. God is not capable of working fast enough. He needs our help. We want the power and control to do what only he can do. But the catch-22 is that the same measure you judge others, they too will judge us. They have the speck, but you have the log. See, we all have flaws and are not capable of seeing the true reality. When David was being anointed king, if you know this story, uh, Samuel goes to the house, Jesse's house. I love this because this is Samuel, right? Like one of the best prophets in all of the Old Testament. 
He speaks to God, he hears from God. Uh, you know, he has this great relationship. And even Samuel misses it. God says, man sees the outward appearance, but God sees the heart. We are bad judges. We are corrupt and biased, favoring our own preferences and standards. We're living in a false reality and, and bear false witness when we judge others unfairly. We are saying we have authority and right to pronounce judgment. No jury needed. But we want a jury for ourselves and don't trust others to pronounce that verdict over us. But see, it doesn't just break relationship with God. It also breaks community with others. We don't draw others in when we judge them. Have you ever felt like, oh, I'm super close to that person now because they just judged me? No. It pushes them away. So how does Jesus judge? This is the good news. The ultimate answer is love. Love of God and love for others. At Doxa, we have a number of values that we like to talk about. We just went through a big sermon uh, series a couple months ago about these. Um, And there's one in there that that really stood out to me as I was thinking about this. Um, It says that real community is essential, beautiful, and requires hard work. That a flourishing Christian has a vibrant relationship with God, self, believers, and outsiders. We keep short accounts and talk to people, not about them. I love that saying from Jeff. And we strive for peace and press in when things are hard. So judging breaks that. Judging breaks community with others and with God. Specifically, this looks like those three things we talked about earlier. Grace, humility, and wisdom. Grace, unmerited favor. There's nothing we can do to earn it, right? There's no bar we can meet or test we can pass or level we must achieve to be found acceptable. God's grace for us allows us to have grace for others. When we have grace for others, there's no room for judgment. Humility. They have the speck, but you have the log. We are no better. Understanding God's grace allows us to have humility. It's total arrogance to judge others. As if we have the power. God's love for us teaches us to be humble so that we can live in an understanding way with others. Lastly, wisdom or discernment. This doesn't mean we can give a free pass to everyone and encourage sort of moral anarchy or moral relativism where everybody can do whatever they want and there's no you know, pushback or saying this is not right or wrong. No, no. Jesus thought about that too. It means we humbly recognize we are not the standard. Jesus is. We need wisdom to offer grace to others where they sin or fail to simply do things differently than you do and to speak the truth in love. Not gossip, not criticism, not judgment, but love. Remember, when we judge others unfairly, we rob God of his power and authority and take it for ourselves. When we judge others unfairly, We rob God of his power and authority and take it for ourselves. This this comes out in my life in a number of different ways. Um, Typically though with like impatience. I don't know if anybody else is there, but I I can get super impatient. I travel a little bit for work, not a ton, but a little bit. Uh, And and at the airport security line is uh, one of like my judgment 
grounds, right? Because people aren't going fast enough. Like, take your shoes off, get your bag ready, take your iPhone out, take your phone, take your belt off. Just speed up, please, for all of us. You're not preparing ahead of time, you're very slow, you're not mindful of others. Like me, I have things to do. But also, I get very judgmental in other ways. Uh, my wife can attest to this, you can go find her afterwards, but uh, because she has to ride with me in the car, driving is a huge one for me. Uh, you know, whether you're going too slow or going too fast, whether you're, you're following somebody too close or you're giving somebody too much space, right? Uh, are you on your phone, texting? Are you going in the HOV lane and nobody else is in your car? That drives me crazy. Uh, can you merge? Like, this is a huge one for us in Seattle. We don't know how to merge. But it's every other car, right? Every other car. Bumper stickers. Easy way. Easy way to judge people. You voted for who? Your support what? You went to that school? You listened to Dave Matthews Band? Like, easy. Also, vanity license plates. These kind of, and maybe some of you are in the room who have these, but that's all right. Um, I saw this one the other day on a, on a Tesla Model X, which is a super fancy car that had uh, the words F-L-A-W-N-T on it. Flaunt. Wow. <laughs> Judging. <laughs> it's a total log and spec experience, right? I was, uh, a couple months or weeks ago, I was driving on I-90 and uh, saw this car pass me and it convicted me for all of these very reasons. Just like I said, I don't really like vanity license plate. This one had a vanity license plate on it that said, NICU RN. And I got super convicted. And NICU RN is a resident nurse for the NICU, which is neonatal intensive care unit. They spend their whole life saving babies. How, who am I to even think about how slow this person is going, or fast, or what they say or do, right? They could have just been coming off in a crazy, terrible time at work where they had to you know, care for and love these babies who are in terrible situations. And it's so easy for me to cast judgment on them. Grace, humility, and wisdom. What does the gospel say? God is the ultimate judge. But he's not just the judge who stands far back, distant, you know, folding his arms in disapproval or doing all of those things, rolling his eyes at you. No, he loves you. He sent Jesus to die in our place for our sins. On the cross, Jesus doesn't say, Father, judge them. No. He says, Father, forgive them. He who had all authority to judge us is now judged for us so that we might be pardoned. God judges Jesus in our place, crucified and buried. But the good news is he rose again, right? He didn't stay that way. He rose again, and now where is he? At the right hand of God interceding for us, he who was judged by us and for us is now interceding on our behalf so that we might not be judged. He sends us the Holy Spirit to empower us to live the life that he lived so that we might not judge others. J.D. Greer, the pastor of the Summit Church in North Carolina, says this about Jesus and what he meant. 
when judging others. He says, what Jesus could not have meant was that we never give opinions or declarations of when God says something that's a sin. Because Jesus spent his entire life doing that. Or he told Christians to rebuke the works of darkness. Many times when people say, thou shalt not judge, that's what they think. Well, who are you to tell me? That's our job to say, not arrogantly, but to say, this is what God's word says. I'm not judging you, I'm just telling you what it says. See, judging in the Bible has more to do with what you do after you tell the truth. It's not whether you tell the truth. It's what you do next. Jesus, after he told the truth, brought people close. He didn't push them away. When you judge somebody is when you condemn their behavior and then condemn them and push them away. It's what you do after you tell them the truth that shows whether or not you're judging. Jesus put more value on the relationship than he did simply maintaining this sort of attitude of purity that says, I condemn you, get out. He said this, I love you despite the fact that you're wrong about this. That's the disposition of judge not. Is that yes, you're an error, but you and I are the same because I've been an error too. And I want to draw you close and I want to extend to you the grace of God that you can receive that error and you can repent and come back to him. Judging others pushes them away from you and Jesus. We are called to draw others close. Jesus could have condemned us and pushed us away in his judgment and instead he forgave us and draws us close. Now making intercession for us on our behalf. But he's not only not our judge, he is our substitute and our advocate. You see, repentance here is not just about not judging. You know, we all ought to repent of our judgments. It's not just about stopping that. Repentance is far more about what you turn to than what you turn from. We're called to turn from our judgments and to Christ, who has ultimate authority and power and control that we cannot take. When we judge, we trade places with God. The reality is Jesus trades places with us. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, For our sake... He made him who knew no sin to become sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God. This is the upside down. This is the backwards. This is the counterintuitive cultural version of the kingdom. God has the power to condemn us, but sends Jesus to die for us instead. As we close, I have a couple questions for you to consider. What about you? Who do you avoid or move away from because they are not living up to your standard? Who do you push away because you've already written them off in judgment? You can learn a lot about your heart by paying attention to what and who you avoid or move away from and why. Is it that person in your MC or DNA whose sin just annoys you? Is it the other mom or dad who raises their kids differently? Is it your coworkers? A person who doesn't act or dress like you? Who do you feel judges you? And what might that reveal about your heart towards them and others? It goes both ways.
you're not a Christian, glad you're here. This message is not just for us, it's for all of us. We want you to experience and know this king who loves you, who died for you, who sent his son on your behalf. You need Christ to change you. None of us likes to be judged, and I know that none of us likes to judge. Only he can save you. Accept his love and grace for you so that you might actually stop being able to stop judge others. If you're a Christian, remember these things. The world is watching, waiting for us to see how we will act and behave. Do we reflect God's kingdom or the world? Let us not be known for our judgments, but for our love for others. And in your DNA groups, right? these are our small groups where we break out from our missional communities, the larger sort of weekly gatherings we have. I want you to talk about these things. Not only who you judge and the ways you do, but why you judge them. And what does it reveal about your heart? Ultimately, we want you to repent of judging others unfairly by, by seeing Jesus, right, as a better, more loving, more valuable than your judgments. He is better than what you find in judgment. Let me pray. Father, I am grateful for um, your son, Jesus, who died for us. For sending him to us to uh, be our substitute. God, that you judge him in our place. That though we um, have sinned and fallen short, that you could have condemned us. You could have pushed us away. You could have kept us separate. But you sent Jesus to die for us. I'm grateful for that. I pray that you will send us the Holy Spirit to empower us, to offer grace towards others, and that we will live in humility and we will practice wisdom and discernment. Father, I pray that you will give us opportunities to point others to the better judge, the one who is over their lives and our lives, that we all might become more like him. We pray this in his name. Amen.